0: Welcome back to the In Podcast in our final episode on this Trailblazer series. These women have inspired me to be a bit bolder, braver, more confident in my own footfalls as I lead in new ways outside of my own comfort zone in this season. I've had the pleasure of meeting today's guest in person recently, and I am in love with this episode. Jennifer Lotzey is the Instructional Technology Coordinator for the Hudson School District. She previously served as an instructional technology trainer in the Sheboygan Area School District and an educational consultant at CISA 11. During her teaching career, she worked as a cross-categorical special educator and focused on teaching individuals with disabilities how to use technology to be successful in their everyday lives. Within her special education program, she helped her students to create a successful business within the school environment. She is a Google for Education certified trainer and works with educational professionals all over the country as they integrate technology into their learning environments. She presents on how to help individuals get the most out of the technology they have access to and make the accommodations to existing technology for use with all students. She received her master's degree from Carthage College in the area of educational leadership with an emphasis in assistive technology. Not only did my conversation with Jennifer feel real on so many levels for both of us, there's such a spirit of support couched within the reality of leading as a strong woman. The conversation is one of my favorites, and I know that the mission in this message will land perfectly. I am deeply honored to share with you Jennifer Lotzie's Trailblazer story. Welcome, Jennifer Lotzi, to the In Awe podcast. I am so thrilled to have you on this show, and especially that we're featuring you in the Trailblazer series. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So Jennifer, for listeners who may not know about all your wonderful contributions to this world, could you please provide a like a current context to what you're up to?
1: Yes. So I uh, this is my third year working in the Hudson School District. Uh, my official title is the Assistant Director of Teaching and Learning for Technology, and what that really 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 means is that I oversee all of the technology for the district. And that's both on the infrastructure side as well as on the instructional side.
0: Okay. So I have a question for you and especially for the listeners that are like, what's infrastructure side versus instructional side? Can you share just a little bit about what you do on the infrastructure side? What does that mean?
1: Sure. So A little bit on the instructional side first, too, to help. So I am a former special ed teacher, so I came into this technology world as a special ed teacher. Uh, So I really, my passion and my knowledge base was really around the instructional side. So the elements of teaching and learning and how teaching and learning functions with technology. Um, And there are all these other things that happen behind the walls, in the ceiling, and that's what we call infrastructure. So Switches and access points, and all the things that just make internet and projectors and computers and all, and iPads make all that work without us really knowing that it works.
0: So, you're basically telling me that those things aren't called a phalange and a that plan. somebody needs to know how they work. Yeah,
1: they're not <laughs> a phalange. As I've learned in this position, they are switches and access points and uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> HDMI connections. I had no idea. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great. So then that just makes me curious because, uh, you know, your background, you were a special education teacher. Do you want to share just a little bit about that and uh, where, what, you know, level you were at and that kind of thing? Yep. So
1: I graduated college um, with an education degree. Uh, I loved English. English was my passion, writing, speaking, Uh, all of the above. And so I I knew that trying to become an English teacher might be hard because there are so many of us. It's like social science teachers. There's a lot of them too. Uh, And so I thought, well, I really like um, all students. So I thought I would get a special education degree um, just to make myself have more experience, more knowledge that would potentially get me a job in the classroom upon graduation. And so um, what I found through my Learning experience in college was that I really enjoyed um, working with special education students and the diversity of the student population and the various needs and and the closest you have with families. So I became a special ed teacher. I started at the high school level in Kenosha um, and then ultimately ended up in the Baraboo School District in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Um, I mean, and loved that. And what I discovered was that as a special education teacher, you always have the all the technology, it feels like. You have the assistive technology and the adaptive technology, and, and then you have a printer in your room, and people see you using these tools and, and using Google in innovative ways. And they say, oh, well, she can fix my problems if something's wrong. My projector's not working or something. So they would come to me for help. And I discovered that in addition to my passion for working with special education students, I also love. Technology, so I realized I want to get into the field of technology. It was a really hard decision, and I I, I struggled leaving my classroom. I still struggle every day. I, I will always be a teacher first, but um, left the classroom, became a technology coach, and then now um, oversee all the technology in Hudson.
0: Well, it's really cool to hear uh, that part of your journey because I had never known that. And it's fun because I was an English teacher. My husband's a social studies teacher. So it cracks me up that that you brought both of those content areas up. But it's just really always fun to hear where somebody's at in their journey and to know that something rooted even though you weren't expecting it. So you became a special education teacher and then finding that love and that joy and that passion for tech and just that idea that you have the ability to really remove barriers to learning on a much broader level, even though you don't have that transactional experience with students anymore. And I can really relate to that challenge um, that you're in with that. But thank you for gifting your passions to the world. It's it's quite wonderful.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually really fun now um, because it's all kind of circling back. So now our school district is looking more at like universal design for learning and creating like truly accessible and engaging learning environments. So it's interesting how it all circles back to some of my background in special education. So it's
0: been really fun. Oh, wonderful. And you know, and I think about this, like your, your story in the context of a, a trailblazer, it just makes me smile because I think you, it seems to me like you've maybe been in the situation where you weren't super comfortable because when I picture a trailblazer in picturing a wide open field or some other surface that doesn't have you know that beaten path and so your life is kind of that in a couple of layers and one of them being just this example of how you got into this role at Hudson so would you like to share a little bit about that entry point and how that felt
1: (laughs) yeah so it's it's a really um interesting story I, I I was working um my husband is from this area, the River Falls area, so we knew we wanted to be close to um, family. So we moved back this direction from where we were before. And I was working at CESA 11 at the time, and that allowed me to work with all the districts um, in the area, which is almost 30 of them. And through that process, I was actually able to come and support Hudson through their transition to using um, G Suite for education, which is like Google Docs, Google Drive, et cetera. And I came here, and I was supporting them in the transition and found that I love the district. And I was like, well, this would be really fun. It's really close to home. Um, I really felt great being here. The culture felt so good. People were so kind as we were training them. And a tech coach position became available. And I was like, well, this is great. This would be perfect. I could do work with teachers, work with students. It's exactly what I love. And then the, the direct or the coordinator position became available as well. And I thought, well, I'll apply for that coordinator position. And if I don't get it, because I don't really know that infrastructure side of things, maybe I'll just be able to be a tech coach instead. <laughs> um, and it, it, it actually turned out to be that. So I got the coordinator job and it wasn't really sure what I was walking into. Like you said, it, it, it was very much an open field in that I, I wasn't really sure what every day looked like as, you know, a leader um, for a technology department within a, you know, relatively large district for our region. And everything was new at the time. It was just new. There were words I didn't know. There were experiences I'd never had. And the first day I accepted the position, they were having the celebration breakfast. And at the celebration breakfast, they were celebrating passing a rather large referendum, about $90 million or so, um, that would put um, some work into not only our middle school, but also a rather large lengthy project at our high school. And I was like, that's really fun and exciting, and didn't really like think a lot about what that meant for technology. But really, the technology is so deeply um, entrenched in the building and the walls and the ceiling and the classrooms and the walls that that was something that we had to learn really quickly. So I I went from not really knowing where to go and what each morning would look like and what the end of each day would look like to, oh, I have... um, just until recently, had all of our building maps all over the walls of the high school, and had identified where all of the access points went, and all the cable runs were, and what classrooms would look like, and where everything was, and thinking about how everything ties together, and and it happened so quickly that I didn't even realize until probably we wrapped up the project um, in the fall of eighteen, and and just around Christmas time, I realized, oh my goodness, we, we did that. And you don't even realize until you're through it, all of the things that you had accomplished in that process.
0: And I love that image of you and just, just jumping in because somebody saw in you your capabilities as a leader. And I think a lot of times when we get into those arenas, you can only know so much in any role, I think that's true of any job at any level in any part of a system, but certainly when you 're trying to lead something that you that you 're not comfortable with that's a that had to have been very challenging for you
1: it, it was interesting for sure, and it was it was a world that in education as a as a young female, I felt very comfortable, very very comfortable in that role it, you know being in the classroom was, is always probably where I will feel the most comfortable um, but in that it, in in the technology world it's just different it, it 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 has a different feel to it there's a different level of language and discussion and how things operate and and working with vendors that that was probably where i had to where i had to really stretch a little bit and force my way into some places that maybe i wasn't, hadn't been previously or the person that I had replaced had been previously.
0: I just really love that you dropped that um, in here because for our listeners and for myself, I've just spent a lot of time studying this whole idea and this whole concept of women in leadership for this past year and learning. When you say as a female in the classroom, I was really comfortable and that probably is kind of the universal common experience. We know that nationally, there 80% of our teachers are females. And so- I appreciate that you point out that that's a comfortable space, but I'm also so thankful that you trailblazed and jumped into this world because that uh, tech field is opening up so many opportunities. And especially, I love that we're in a time just as this right now, where we have more and more women that are pursuing careers in STEM. And we have more and more role models for all of our genders to be able to engage with this. And so for you to be leading in this space is, I would imagine there's tension points. It's There's some Uncomfort um, mixed in with that, but just really cool to hear that you are in there and you're, and it's no small deal. Like Hudson's a big school for our area, as you pointed out, and it's really cool. I love to hear your backstory on it.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's been, it, it's been an interesting journey. It has had definite highs and lows. I, I remember, um, the first time I went to a predominantly, um, infrastructure side of things conference and I walked in and, and there were about 600 people there. And of those 600, there were probably maybe 20 to 25 women there. And just in the three three to four years that I've been going to that conference, it has just changed ever so slightly. You can see more and more women coming to this mm-hmm. event, um, more and more women collaborating. And it's just been an interesting process to see how... The work changes, and the and the dialogue changes, and how vendors respond differently. And there have been some tough points too, though, um, where you know I've had someone sit at my table in my office and say, "Well, who's who's the man in charge? I I want to talk to him." And 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 those are those are definitely some learning places for me to know well, what do you do in that moment because sometimes you just want to cry a little bit like I I think I'm I think I'm
0: that man that signs
1: that that purchase (laughs) I'm not sure I could
0: check Um, I mean I don't think it's that Jay Lotzi. I'm pretty sure it was Jennifer and I don't think that's an androgynous name so the buck will stop here I
1: I don't think so (laughs) but I mean it's really just myself and all the other women that were born in the 80s you know we're all together in that but um but yeah you know that's that's been tough so knowing when to assert yourself and when to be confident and and to not be afraid of being confident. Um, I'm really good at apologizing for things that I probably don't need to apologize for um, and learning to work around that um, has been a big learning
0: process for me. What an incredibly um, impactful thing for you to be just so vulnerable about this while you're in it um, because I think we could go a few different ways you know in this conversation we can sit here and pretend that it's super easy and this is how i've arrived and i'm in this role but my listeners are smarter than that and they understand they've many of them are probably either have walked that example that you just shared um they're in the midst of it or they've overcome it and they just needed to hear that they're not the only ones and um you know the men listening probably are really valuing most of my listeners i'm sure are going that is just freaking ridiculous that somebody said that to her but that's it's it's important for us to acknowledge that these perceptions and these stereotypes still exist. And we do in fact have to figure out how to navigate and overcome them. And if we don't open up wide these conversations and help one another through it, then you're just going to be another woman leader who dropped out of it because of the challenges, you know? So I'm so proud of you. You know, I'd love to hear how you did handle that.
1: (laughs) It was a little bit of back and forth because the vendor was very, and I said, well, you know, I'm the person that you want to talk to. You know, I'm ultimately making these decisions on behalf of our organization, but, you know, obviously I work with other people and, you know, there are other individuals on my team. And he was just very passionate about finding out who else he could talk to because I just had expressed that I was struggling a little bit with the product that he was presenting a little bit with what he wanted us to purchase. And I just didn't really feel very comfortable with what he had wanted us to move forward with and ultimately i just said you know i just don't think that we're going to get to a good place here i think we should probably just just end our discussion and 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 move on and and we kind of took a step away a little bit we, we took a break from that discussion we left the table um he went back to wherever he came from and now we're kind of easing back in where you know there are some purchases that we will always go to that vendor and say. Can you please provide us with a quote for this or whatnot? But We're starting to try to rebuild that relationship, even though it would probably be a lot easier to just not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it would probably be a lot easier to just not. But we also learn that one of the, and this is a stereotype, but it also is kind of steeped in some research. One of the strengths that we have as females in leadership is we're more often, most often tied to that emotional intelligence piece and kind of leading with the heart. And so the benefit of that is that men can kind of receive a penalty for that if they're seem to be too soft or whatever. But, um, you know, given the context, we do, we all, uh, no matter if we're male or female, need to be able to lead with our heart. And so it sounds like that involves humility too. So I'm I'm just happy to hear that you're (laughs) keeping the, you know, keeping the boundary, but then also letting people be flawed and and working through it. So that's, that's part of the dynamic and the challenge of the roles that we serve. Okay. So another question for you, Jennifer, that I'm just curious about is you are a trailblazer, not only because of this tech piece and, and your own personal comfort level with it, but I see that you are also kind of like a first generation college student in your family. Is that accurate?
1: Yep. So I'm the first um, in my extended family as well to graduate from college and earn my master's degree. And then, take on a leadership role in a school district.
0: So any ideas about have you have you just spent some time in reflection and thought about why you went that route? Because that's a pretty high level of education. And I'm sure that your family is just super proud of you. But what, what was it in you and part of your story that got you going that direction?
1: For me, so I'm from I'm originally from Chicago, the Chicago area, and from a really large school district where we had, I believe, five high schools of about 1800 to 2000 students each within a very close proximity, um, which is very different from here. And really, I didn't, at the time, I had no idea that college wasn't an option. My family was always very passionate about school is really important and you know my dad is a I see him as a trailblazer too he has worked at the same company forever and started as you know someone who just worked on the floor of a, of a company and then now is really overseeing the entire company under the owner and I really just wanted to be like him I wanted to go somewhere I wanted to do something and and everything that we had been told in school was really you have to go to college to do that and while I think that that there's value there I'm so thankful that now things are a little bit different that we can have a discussion and say, you don't have to go to college to to be, to go somewhere, to do something. It's just different than what it was. But for me, like that was, that was my, my only thing. I knew that I wanted to work with students and I knew I wanted to go somewhere and and do something until college was the easiest decision to make. It wasn't easy getting to that point. School wasn't always my favorite thing. I didn't play the school game very well. Definitely had some failures along the way. And I just thought, you know, I wish I would have had someone who could have been like a teacher mentor for me, but it was such a big system that it made it really hard to get through that. And so there were really three motivating factors to, to, to be that person for someone else to make my family proud and and to go and do something.
0: And I love it. And I love that you said you didn't play the game of school very well, because that's probably what makes you so um, effective. It's probably what made you super effective as a special education teacher. And now, um, you know, trying to do innovative things with technology on the instructional side of your role. So... That's awesome to hear. Again, it seems it served you well. So, okay, so since I mentioned that, we circle back a little bit to it. What is your favorite thing to do with um, technology in terms of instructional side of things when you're working with staff?
1: Well, so for me, and I've come a long way in this place. Initially, when I came into technology, when I was teaching, Google Docs had just come out. It was like the newest and greatest thing. And, and the School District Baraboo was cutting edge on this. They, they said, you know, we want to do this. And the director at the time just said, we're going to try this. And would you want to try this with us? And and I did. And then we went through this like long period of time of kind of smoke and mirrors technology. Like, look at all this flashy stuff and look at all of this cool stuff and look at all of this stuff. And what I'm really passionate about now is let's take kind of the foundation technology. Let's take the technology that everyone has access to. You don't have to like really go too far outside of the things that we already have. We all have Chromebooks for our students and on those Chromebooks there are a lot of tools and resources that they just have access to because they have a Chromebook. And so for me, what I love showing teachers now is how students can access curriculum and not just students who struggle, but all students, right? We think about how we as adults, we talk to our phones right? I, I'll say, I'll say, okay, Google, and my phone's probably going to blow up right now because it the things I'm talking to it, but I'll say, okay, Google, call so-and-so or okay, Google, what about this? Yes. Or, tell me this or give me this information. And I think about my students, when this first came out, this was a game changer, that they could talk to a device and it could do things for them and it could write their paragraph that was so painful to write for them when they were typing or, you know, so those are the things that I'm really passionate about showing teachers is look at this tool plain and simple. You don't have to go to any other websites. You don't need any new accounts. Look at all of these really amazing things that a Google account and a device will open up. And that's kind of where we circle back to universal design. How do we just take the things that we already have? How do we take the instruction we're already doing and make it really engaging and it
0: accessible for our students love so much that you talk about kind of like that pendulum swing where we're you know chasing it but there's just been so much hyper change in technology you know we've all experienced that within the last (laughs) 10 years or so. Um, So I really value that you talk about taking it simple. And what I'm hearing you say is that your passion really just comes down to removing those barriers and creating an avenue for individuals to harness that technology to get to their individual students. And that's just really cool. So thank you for doing that work in our world. It's really critical, truly. All right. So Jennifer, I have a couple of questions for you that we ask on the In Awe podcast. And one of them is that I love to hear what you would say to yourself if if you had an opportunity to write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what do you what do you think you'd say?
1: I think I would say, and I would probably tell myself still this today, um, is that it's okay to be confident that mm-hmm. you can ignore some of those stereotypical comments that come your way from anyone who thinks that you can't hang, that you can't you can't hang out with the big kids or the you know the the, the people who make decisions know when to. Sh- to really step up and when to assert yourself and, and when that's appropriate and that it's okay to be confident. You don't have to always stand in the back.
0: Mm. I really love that you said that. And I love that as I'm listening, it's I'm picturing myself in those shoes. And I know my listeners are doing the same thing. Like They can uh, imagine themselves kind of in that same Arena. And especially, I'm assuming that, you know, that picture that you share about walking into that conference and having like 600. participants and just very few women, it has to feel, and it doesn't matter how confident you are, any time you are that side of the equation in terms of numbers, it feels hard to bring your voice to the table. And so I just commend you for continuing to grow in that area and to push. And I love that you said, you're just kind of seeing this trend change because we know there's everybody has value and we don't want our voices diminished on either side of that equation. So thank you for sharing that really insightful advice. It's good.
1: Thanks. And I'll probably just listen to this podcast a couple of times. So then every time I get nervous, it'll hopefully remind me of that
0: letter. (laughs) We've done over 30 episodes of this podcast. I'm so grateful. But I will tell you, Jennifer, you're not alone. So many of the guests provide advice and then say, hey, this is what I need to remind myself often. And we go to, you know, the positive psychology and the brain research on that, that talks about speaking affirmations into our world and that how how that actually does have an impact and kind of change how we view things and how we flip our self-limit beliefs. uh, So critical. So it's good. And I love that you say again, I'm just going to keep telling myself this. I know that's for me the same. It's the same case. So, okay, another question for you. Uh, if you, as an influential woman, if there's somebody listening and they're feeling kind of in that that pit of fear or doubt, maybe they're a classroom teacher and they've been thinking about, you know, launching into a tech coach role or it's no small thing that you were a leader for Etsy 11 as well, you know, working with multiple districts and, and all of the great work that you've done. So what, as an influential woman, would you say to a person who's kind of finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they need to, hear hear your voice to help them up out of it.
1: I wish I could say that I don't find myself in those places because I think we do every day. But I think the most important thing I would tell those women is that you need to find people who can support you, you know, find people who can build you up, but also be really truthful with you. Um, I'm really fortunate to have some really great friends um, within my current job here um, that I can rely on, I can talk to, I can get advice from in a in a non-judgmental way, but they'll also say, mm, "Jen, I don't think that. I don't think that's the right way to go." Um, I also have a really amazing, uh, fantastic mentor who um supports me through my work and I can get really honest and open feedback and we can have open discussions with. There are a lot of people who have already done this job before I have. Um in other districts that that really have helped me so much. Vicki Lyons retired from the school district of La Crosse and Kelly Hoyland and the Menominee School District and, and other leaders throughout the state that just, I've relied on their knowledge so greatly. And I'm so thankful for these people that have already done the work that I don't have to do it alone. So what I would tell these women is that you're not alone. You're never ever alone. Find those people that care about you, that care about you succeeding, and maybe even sometimes those that don't want you to succeed. You know, even get some of that input as well because you can see both sides of a problem that you might be facing, or you know, what are some of the negatives of making a decision and thinking through that? Um, That would be what the advice I'd get give is that you know, find those people that you can surround yourself with to
0: protect you and 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 support you as you go through life. I love that advice. And it just putting it in the context of being in a pit and then just hearing you talk about, you know, reach out, work with a crew, find your mentors and your sponsors and this idea that we rise by lifting others. And I love how that connects right with your really sage advice, Um, because it's really too easy for us to get comparison game and and we isolate ourselves and then we're just miserable and we're no way near as effective as as if we can reach out to people. So I'm so glad that you have those people in your life and that you recommend to the listeners to get those people in their lives too. So, um, let's get to some inspiring recommendations. I'd love to hear from you in regard to, um, if you have a a cause that you support or a way that we could, we could connect with that cause. Yeah. So a
1: couple of things. So currently, and previously, um, there's an organization that I'm a part of called the Wisconsin Educational Technology Leaders. This is an organization that is a state chapter for Cozen, which is the Consortium of School Networking. It's a national organization basically for technology leaders all over the country. I'm on the executive board for that. And some of the work that we're really doing through there has been really exciting trying to find ways to support new leaders, um, pairing them up with perhaps um, mentor directors that have already done the job and finding the right fit for them. And, and those kinds of things, I'm really trying to support the existing directors and then also those that are coming into the field, directors and, and engineers and networking people and technicians and all that kind of thing. Um, but also something that I'm, I'm really passionate about is student data privacy. So forever and ever, we've had FERPA, and FERPA's been around, and and FERPA basically tells us we have to protect our students and protect their data um, when they are within our district. I'm currently working on a team through the Department of Public Instruction for Wisconsin, um, and it's the Student Data Privacy Work Group. And what we're trying to do is really make this meaningful because data is available now in way in so many different places in ways that it never has been before. It's so easy to share and access data all the time. And so we're trying to build infrastructure, provide tools and resources for um, leaders within districts that will allow them to support their teachers to know how to protect student data, how to secure it, how to keep it within, um, we call it the inner sanctum of the district or within the, you know, the kingdom walls. And so that's something that, has just been really interesting and is a big topic of conversation across the state and the nation. If you've heard of GDPR and some of these other laws that are coming down, that it, it matters and it's important. You know, we think so much about protecting our physical students, but now there's all these other pieces to students that we have to protect as well. And so I'm really passionate about being able to Not stifle innovation for teachers where they can't use certain resources, but also show them how to use them responsibly and and inform parents and get them the information that they need as well so then
0: we can protect our students. I love that your passion comes through in that. And I was just thinking that many people, unless you're in it, you don't really know the tension points of that unless you're responsible for the one keeping the data private. Yeah. <laughs> so I really appreciate that you're sharing that with our listeners to kind of like open up a new layer. And I, and again, just another example where you're leading the way. So thank you for doing that. I really, really appreciate that you put, put out there that you don't want to um, stifle the innovation, but we also have to remember that there's so many ways that our own data is used and we don't think about it until it becomes a problem you know so just really I I value that you bring that to the to the listeners so how about um so you talked about building community and and reaching out to others would you share some people that we should connect with on social media um yeah so Kay Henriksen um she works at, at a different
1: CISA um and she is Awesome. I think you've actually interviewed her before
0: on your podcast. and Yes. And listeners, if you haven't heard Kay's episode, you definitely have to hear that one. She is phenomenal. I will go ahead and, with that recommendation, link that episode in the show notes. So listener, if listeners haven't caught up um, with her.
1: and Definitely. And um, Kelly Hoyland um, was formerly with uh, the Menominee School District in UW-Stout and has now moved on to um, interoperability standards, which is a hot topic in technology. She definitely helped me through so many things as I was um, beginning this journey. And then um, a new leader, uh, Sarah Radcliffe out of Chippewa Falls. Um, she, We are very similar backgrounds. She was a speech and language pathologist and then became a tech coach and now is the technology director for the Chippewa Falls School District. The, those are the kind of people that definitely I think about as being thankful
0: for and and leading the way. Well, that's awesome. I will be sure to link their uh, information so that our listeners can follow them as well. Well, Jennifer, I just want to thank you. I know you are super busy and I just really appreciate that you would take time out to give this awe-inspiring interview on the podcast today. Would you share with the listeners the best way to engage with you if they want to connect on any old topic with you after this interview?
1: Sure. Um, Twitter or email is usually the easiest to reach me. So my Twitter handle is at jpeterson738. Or
0: um, that's the easiest way to reach me, probably. Awesome. And as my listeners know, I will be sure to link that so that it's really easy to get a hold of Jennifer because I know they're going to want to. And I just really appreciate you for this interview and for all the good work that you're doing. I'm so glad we got connected. And I thank you once again for this inspiring interview. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.